Creating and rekindling memories. NHR. That is out there, taken from the soundtrack of The Hunchback from Notre Dame, or of Notre Dame. Uh, it's been performed the 26th to the 29th of October at uh, the Nottingham Theatre Royal by the Nottingham Operatic Society. Uh, in the studio, we've got Simon Theobald, who plays the part of Archdeacon Dom Claude Frollo, uh, and Quasimodo himself, who hopefully won't get the hump with some of these questions. Um, Zach Charlesworth, good morning, you two. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm, I'm not too bad at that. You know, that, that deep voice, I've missed that deep voice. I'm trying to get it even going deeper because this, <laughs> this, this part needs it. So I'm training, I'm training to go lower. It's, well, it, it sounds good to me. It's been, been a few years since you two have been in the studio. Well, we've been, we've been off the Theatre Royal. Our last show was Sound of Music in 2019. Yep. So we've been away for this is almost three years, which is terrifying. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is, with... with What's happened over the last couple of years? It just seems like you, you fell asleep and woken up two years later. It's like Sleeping Beauty, isn't it? Mm. Uh, you know, you, you've just lost two years of your life. And and the crazy thing is, Kevin, we we um, we booked this show. We actually persuaded one of the, the couple who persuaded Disney to release it. We started working with them, asking questions: Could we do this show? Uh, probably in uh, late 2016, we finally got the yes at the. In about in about 2019, at the end of 2019, had it all ready, and then of course we postponed yeah. and postponed. So it it, it feels like a, a maze, an amazing journey. The great thing is we we got together our company during the the lockdown as soon as we could. We got everyone together and started singing where we could. Our first rehearsal was at Notts County. We we had, we had two rehearsals singing in the stadium in the wet. Yeah, but it was great. Because we all we all didn't realise how much we'd missed it after yeah. that that real forced lockdown, so this feels like a long set of rehearsals for this show. Yeah, and we're finally there. So it's a great sense of relief uh, after. I mean, it, oh, yeah. it's three times it's been postponed. Yeah, uh, in yep. in total. So um, I mean, now and you, you know you can see the end of the tunnel uh, with this. There must be such a great sense of relief with the whole cast and and everyone involved really that this is now going to go ahead. Yeah. And everything's coming together. We went earlier this week. We went out to uh, scenic projects in the far end of, of Norfolk to see the set, which is built and in paint, in paint workshop. And it looks stunning. Brand new set. Fabulous brand new costumes. Well, for everybody apart from Zach, who just has rags. <laughs> rags and a hump. That's all I'm used to. <laughs> now, you contacted Stephen Schwartz, didn't you, to, uh, to get permission? Originally, to do this? yes. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah. I mean, was it a case of just? I mean, how do you contact someone like Stephen uh, Schwartz, who, uh, for people who don't know, wrote uh, wrote the um, is it the music or the lyrics? He wrote the lyrics for the show. Yeah. Obviously, you know, better known for Pippin and Wicked. Yes, I had his email. Uh, I can't. I cannot remember how. I can't remember, but I had his email through somebody else. I think so. I I had. I have a contact with Mark Shaman. Um, from Hairspray, so yeah. I think it may have come that route. But anyway, yeah, so we just emailed him and said, look, we've been here 100 and, nearly 130 years in this city. We were set up to create community theatre. I've never seen a better piece for community theatre than The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And we wrote quite, a, you know, an impassioned plea. He came back very quickly and he said, I've put you in touch with the top person at Disney. And we started negotiating. There you go. And, it, and suddenly it moved really quickly. When we finally, they were thinking about what they're doing about touring and whatever and decided not. And suddenly, with about three or four days, they came back and said, yes, fine, do it. 
That's amazing. I, I suppose that they want to get this out as yeah. A, yeah again two years they've uh, they've missed out on making money on it mm. so uh, you know yeah. the sooner that they get everything released it's better for them and for you to well, for the whole and it, and it is such a good musical people forget it's you th- it, i mean it is a new musical yeah but the amazing thing is the original version of this was written in 1999 and they performed it in berlin for three years and then it went quiet and then they kicked it up again and Re- rewrote some stuff for the better I think it's a, it's a really a better musical um, and in 2014 it came back in the States and that's that's the recording you've just listened to this amazing production um, and that's the version we're doing mm. so. So, so what is the, the story then of Hunchback the musical Go on, I'm going to let you explain it because oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I'll do it I won't do it good enough <laughs> for, for people who know the, the animation which yeah, was the Disney the, version, the Disney yeah. version yeah. it's it's a little different to that because it goes back to the book. You know, this this is one of those classic French novels like Les Miserables. It's mm. thick. It's a big book. Well, it's Victor Hugo, isn't it? It's Victor Hugo. Yeah. It's dark. Now, Victor Hugo wrote wrote the book purportedly to to sort of get Paris and and the French people to realise what had happened during the Revolution to the cathedral because it had been desecrated. And he, he was successful. He, he ended up getting a 20-year renovation project from it. But the piece is darker. It's about, it's about personal darkness. It's about... I mean, the, the classic line that comes in the show is what makes a monster and what makes a man. Everyone looks at Cosimodo as being something that's wrong, monstrous, and yet it's many of the other people around who are, mm. in fact, monstrous. So it's a little darker. I've heard some people say it's Disney's first musical for adults. But but it's it's perfectly okay for children. It's just don't expect dancing goats. Because yeah. there's no dancing goats. <laughs> there are gargoyles. I would say there are definitely gargoyles. Oh, yes, we'll, we'll get on to those a little gargoyles. bit later on because I've seen pictures of them and I want to know yeah. more about them. So it's it's a great story. It, it, and it contains all of the, the classic songs from the original musical, uh, the animation, um, in fantastic orchestrations. I have to say, we, we, we rehearsed in St. Barnabas Cathedral on Friday. And hearing some of the music, particularly Zach singing, you know, Zach singing some of the big, the big songs in the cathedral was absolutely... I can't even describe it. It was stunning. Well, I've heard uh, Zach sing Bring Him Home at Derby Theatre, which, uh, you know, before the end of Act One, mm-hmm. he got a standing ovation. Just it's not w- often you see that in a theatre. Just wait. Just, yeah, wait. So just wait. Just wait till he hits some of the big songs. I, I know how good he is. I know how good he is. So, uh, talking about that, Zach, tell us a little. I mean, we, we all know the character of Quasimodo, the hunchback, and everything. Tell us a little bit about what Quas, uh, what and who Quasimodo is about. Um, well, so obviously he's locked up in this cathedral. Um, sees followers, his master, someone who looks after him, and that's where he learns everything from. Uh, he's not allowed out. Um, but he pretty much always wants to get out um, and through the show he does get out um, he discovers the world outside but he's still very much clawed back by, by Frollo um, and then at the end you know I'm not going to spoil it for people yeah but, yeah um, yeah. it's got a nice little hap- weird but happy ending I think yes, for, yes. for Quasi um, he like, goes on this journey through this show and you, throughout the show you see the highs and the lows of he managed to get out, finding this new world, having fun, and then all of a sudden he's dragged back into this mm. pit. 
Um, so it is quite a quite a journey. That must be quite. I mean, knowing the stuff that you've done in the past, it seems a very different character uh, for you to play. Have you found that? Yeah, this is massive. Yeah. Uh, like I say, I've done Jean Valjean, done other stuff, but this is next level. And in terms of vocally as well, like I've not sang anything like this before. <laughs> so I, I mean, I know that you've sung with orchestras and, and all sorts. Yeah, you know, but uh, but yes, knowing knowing the soundtrack. Then um, I, I, I can imagine. I, I can't wait to hear what well, both of you um, uh, performing on stage. But uh, um, you know, I, I, I've heard you sing "Bring Him Home." It's, it's, it's just the best version I've heard on a local stage. Um, it is so. Some of these on here really cannot wait to uh, to hear it. What's it like then with I mean, the the hump on the back? Is that sort of uh, without without giving too much away? Is that sort of sewn into the costume, or, or is it just a Cushion shoved up the back. Or? I'm going to let your eyes. Ah. What you think it is when you come and see it? Well, um, well I've seen the pictures. Oh, of course, and, and we'll yeah. get on to the yeah. pictures a little bit later on. Um, so, so we found out uh, about Quasimodo. Frollo, what's uh, what's? Fr- he doesn't seem like a rather nice man. He's <laughs> not. It's a very strange thing because in in the, in the cartoon, it's it's very different. It mm. is it is not the same as the cartoon. So. Again, without giving too much away, he, he is effect- he's Quasimodo's uncle. Yeah. So he's given the duty of care of this child as a baby. Um, the problem, I think, with, with Frollo, and he's really complicated, and again, you try and read the book and try and establish is there something there, and yes, you can find a lot. You know, it, a lot of it for him is about he has spent his whole life trying to get to that sort of perfection in, in religious terms and trying to, trying to help his brother. His brother died. Mm. Then he tries to help Quasimodo, and that doesn't work because Quasimodo, Quasimodo is always fighting against that control. And eventually then he comes across Esmeralda and then becomes really fixated. I think it's true. We've not done it. We're about to rehearse this afternoon. We're about to rehearse one of the difficult bits towards the end. And I, and I think he genuinely, genuinely cares for, for Quasimodo. But it's not, it's not nice. It's, it's dark. Um, and I suspect the reality is that he, he loses sense of reality, and, as many of the villains, like Javert. Mm. Like Javert mm. in, in, in Les Mis. Yes, yeah. You know, he becomes fixated on, on that, you know, that prisoner, um, was, you know, Frollo is absolutely fi- fixated, and towards the end, there are there are there are extraordinary moments. I mean, Hellfire is terrifying as a singer; it's terrifying finding the amount of breath to do it. <laughs> um, and and I think in the second act, his descent into craziness is it's interesting to play. Mm, so, and Frollo, of course, has got the um, the, the love triangle with Esmeralda. That's right, um, as yeah. well. Which are, you know that that's going to be interesting to to see played out because i've never seen hunchback performed on stage i I don't even think i've seen the disney version um i've I've seen the the older films yes and stuff like that but uh and some of the some of the the films um are uh, some of the storylines in the films are quite close to Mm. this but this one strips away a lot of the 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 detail the background detail a lot you you get in them is um so it's a it's a cleaner story and it's told through a set of narrators so we have um a group fantastic ensemble you'll you'll know most of the people in the ensemble you'll recognize them from other productions and they tell the story they are fantastic mm. they're also gargoyles they're also gypsies they're they're everything and then we've got this huge choir which is which is fantastic how, how many narrators are there 11 12 12 12 narrators, 12 narrators yes 
I don't think I've seen a musical that's uh, that's had that many narrators. No, and that's they they switch. They play so many parts. They're, I mean, they're absolutely central to this storytelling, and and it's the way the way it was written to to do that. And once you've once you've realised what they're doing, um, it, it's it's really exciting, and particularly when they switch into into characters like the gargoyles, or mm. they switch into into, and then the choir. We've um, our directors changed the way that's done so he's he's looked at how they're talked about in the story is the they're the gallery of kings um from the front of notre dame so the costume here has done that so we've got a choir sort of 10 feet in the air that will look like the gallery of kings and of course they can come to life and they can move about so it's probably that from a company point of view one of the busiest shows they've done yeah they are moving around all the time big cast so now the director andrew miller i don't think i've heard of him before is, is he sort of new to a yes new to operatic he's or? new to nottingham we yeah. we obviously met him about what's well, two years ago now yeah. um we were looking for a, for a new director and andrew applied um andrew's from london has done quite a lot of work in his career he's an australian um and he's done a lot of work with disney in the past um he worked on annie the the west end annie um and he has his own theater company He's great. He's a really, he's a really sort of thoughtful, collaborative director, and we've spent a lot of time trying. You know, he'll ask you what you what you think, what do you want to do, how do you feel about that. So that's good. That's good. From you know, quite often you have people who've come with a set view. He has some clear views, but he, we're allowed to play mm. with it. Yeah, and I think that's the good thing because mm. once you get past sort of setting the structures and what you have to do to move about, it's that playing that brings this piece alive. Brilliant, and I, I really can't wait. And we've only been talking for all oh, 21 minutes. Uh, well, just under 21 minutes, and already I just want to go out and see it now. Good, um, good. I do. So let's take another piece from the soundtrack. Um, God Help the Outcasts. Tell us a little bit about this one. This is a beautiful... This is, like, one of my favourite songs. Mm. It's just nice. <laughs> tell, tell us what it's about, then, Zach. Oh, you throw me on the spot now, because it's in the song. I'm not in this bit. <laughs> well, so. So, Even though it's one of your favourite songs. Yeah, I just love it. I was singing it in the cathedral the other night. <laughs> so, so Esmeralda has been um, chased out of the square, and she wanders into the... She's a, she's a, a, a gypsy, travelling travelling folk. She wanders into the cathedral. Gypsies aren't allowed into the cathedral. Right. And she wanders in and has never seen anything like it. And she just sees this amazing building with the light pouring in through the stained glass window and she just it transforms her i mean changes her and she she sings this prayer to god to say help my people help us outcasts why are we not included so let's take a listen then this is taken from the soundtrack of the hunchback of notre dame uh, it's god help the outcasts oh that is gorgeous that is called uh, god help the outcasts it's taken from the soundtrack of uh, the hunchback of notre dame which has been performed at the Nottingham Theatre Royal by the Nottingham Operatic Society um, 26th to the 29th of October. Um, so, so there's a little bit of time left for you to, uh, to go and get your tickets uh, in the studio. Uh, we've got uh, Frollo and Quasimodo, a.k.a. Simon Theobald and uh, Zach Charlesworth. Uh, so, Zach, tell us, how are you finding the... And we mentioned that this is slightly, you know, sort of a little bit different to the roles that you normally play. Um, so how are you finding the physicality of playing a character like Quasimodo tiring um, obviously when we're on stage it's not going to be as hard because we have got hunch um, but in rehearsal you're trying to get that physicality across and you've also got the aspect that he's deaf 
Um, so it's not just as straightforward as, oh, he's got this hunchback. Yeah. He's also hard of hearing. Um, so trying to to bring that across is is difficult because you obviously have to border that line of, is this going to offend somebody or not? Yeah. Um, it is hard, and I'm still playing, to be fair. I've still not found how I want to do it. Um, just to get that right little mix. Because then, you know, you can speak with a deaf voice as such, but then you have to sing. Yeah. I, so you, to try and merge it all together nicely is really difficult to do. And then you've also, in the script, which we're kind of ignoring, when Quasi talks to the gargoyles, he talks normal. He, he, he is what we would class as normal. Yeah. So the voice and that characterization almost goes when he's talking to the gargoyles. So it's a proper like roller coaster of okay, I'm here now. I need to be here. So we've kind of merged those two together, and then you've just got to try and bring in the singing and the normal like acting side yeah. of it, yeah. just to make sure it flows. And it, the audience don't sit there and go, "Wait, hang on a minute, but that doesn't quite work." But yeah, it is difficult. It's not easy. I suppose as well when if you think of it from the point of the gargoyles, when Quasimodo is talking to them, they would hear him maybe in a different way to what we'd hear him which is why um yeah. they you know they'd hear him sort of in a normal voice yeah because all the gargoyles are they're not actually in real life they're all in Quasi's yeah. head they're all the, his thoughts and what's going on um so yeah it is difficult it's yeah <laughs> Dif- difficult to yeah. Yeah, i mean it's you've a got, challenge you've it's got, a very big challenge you've got until uh, the end of october to get it right so. yeah mm-hmm. which i'm sure you will yeah. um so let's talk about the gargoyles i've seen yeah. pictures of, oh, of these gargoyles um tell us a little bit about uh, i mean are, are they they obviously they're meant to look like stone um how heavy are they that that we're, we're really lucky kev we're really lucky next door to where we keep our props and our wigs because we have a lot of wigs um for society is a prop maker a lovely lady called liz johnson she's been there for 20 plus years makes a lot of props for and puppets for shows all over the place and we 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 sort of got into a conversation about the way we direct wanted to do this which was not dress dress a member of the you know the ensemble up as a gargoyle which actually is very difficult because these they are big big chunks of stone so andrew and liz worked together to create these these they're sort of almost like busts imagine sort yeah. of a giant bust they're about two or two mm. feet tall they're not heavy but they they look like stone yeah. mm. they absolutely and she's done an amazing job and i was popping in occasionally and watching them it took her weeks to get them to dry and they absolutely look like stone and they've been matched to the costume so it's the same color but the way she's worked with them in in puppet workshops, they, they the people behind disappear, they genuinely disappear, and they've all got different characters. You see some of them; they've got really quirky faces. There's there's one that looks sort of high and mighty, and one that looks terrified, and and the characters behind that, you know, people like Kate Taylor and Jonah Williams, Sean Harrison, Sean Hanrahan, you know, people you know. And they are fantastic at creating these different things that can suddenly become animated and then stop and become stone. 
It's all the magic of theatre. It's amazing. Uh, it's, uh, yes. So, and I, I mean, I've I've had a look online and I've seen sort of uh, bits and bobs about these gargoyles and the time it takes to actually get them looking like that. I mean, they they've got glue on them and then you stick sand on them. Yeah. And how many times have uh, you know they sort of had to repeat that procedure just to get them to look like that? We are really lucky. We've had one tiny piece of damage, mm. and that wasn't on the gargoyle itself. It was on the wooden pole. Some, we, were, we were doing a photo shoot out at Southern and somebody actually just knocked one of the poles and it, it broke off at the bottom. But they are going back into Liz Gargoyle Hospital for a, for a, <laughs> for a freshen up before the show. Gargoyle Hospital. <laughs> yeah, for a bit of sandblasting. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned, of course, uh, about uh, going out to different um, locations and anybody who's seen the Facebook page uh, will, will have seen uh, the mm. Southern pictures and the Loughborough um, pictures mm, as well. So, mm. Zach, tell us a little bit about the. Uh, it was Loughborough where the, the picture where you was with the bells. With the bells, yeah. So I went yeah. to the Bell Foundry in Loughborough, um, which I've I worked in Loughborough for two years. And I never knew existed, um, but that was amazing. You, you don't think you would ever see so many bells in one room? Um, we had a little tour, um, yeah. saw how they were cast, then how they were tuned. Um, yeah, it's I, it was a, it was a really nice photo. Shoot. I would absolutely. I mean, I'd never been, and you know, again, my my dad worked in Loughborough for years, and I thought, and he said, oh, he can remember it because you could hear it, because mm. you can hear the bells being sound. And you think, I mean, this is now the only main bell foundry in the country, and I'd recommend anybody going. Yes, yeah, it's, it's good. Just fascinating. No idea. I had no idea that a bell, effectively, isn't a single note. It's five notes. There are five tones that create a bell. Oh. And this amazing mm. chap, I forget his name, I think it was Gerdier his name was, and he was showing out, he got this tuning room, and working on bells and how you shave them and take bits of, of the metal out. Absolutely fascinating. Definitely worth a trip. And it's called Taylor's, Taylor's Bell Foundry. So when you sort of thought, right, we need some pictures of bells with Quasimodo in his outfit, <laughs> with his arm uh, and everything. Um, so, I mean... How do you go about looking for somewhere to get a photo shoot like that? I mean, I, I suppose you could sort of just look, sort of contact a church for, for bells. But, but this is something a little bit more special. So mm. uh, so whereabouts did you find out about the foundry? One of our trustees uh, knew of it. In fact, talked to them before we started production and actually got into a conversation about having real bells on stage. They were quite happy to do that. Yeah, I think the theatre were a little nervous. I bet they were, they'd be heavy though. They would have, they? Been, the yeah, they would have been, No, no, they could have done it, but really? it would have taken a long time in the setup to put to put a bell up. And they were getting into the question about what note, what note do you want it to sound in the orchestra? <laughs> <laughs> so we said that's really kind, but no, but we'd love to come and talk to you. So we did that. Southern was was just a conversation that we thought, where is the the most dramatic place in Nottinghamshire that we could go um, and and sort of try and find a backdrop. If we'd have had a bit more time, we talked. Zach and I talked about could we go to Paris, but the problem is you can't go in. You can only go outside, and it's a mass of scaffolding. So that's and subtle again was just fantastic. That was that was hard because we were fitting in between. We were trying to get it finished because there was a wedding coming in. There was a wedding in the garden. There was yeah. there was a service happening in the morning, so we were sort of in the corner, shuffling into costumes, and then. But they were so kind, and gave us access. There was a great guy who let the gargoyles go up higher than I would have gone. Higher, mm. I wouldn't have gone there. 
Um, but that, that's created some, some a fantastic picture of Zach just simply taken against this window, which, when you think about it, is, is as, as old as Notre Dame. This is like a 12th century window. And is that the one that's on Facebook? Yeah. 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 Beautiful picture, and that's Gav, Gav Mordit, who's um, does does our photography, and he's he's a genius, just a genius. Would the uh, the funds for NOS uh, uh, allow you to go to Paris? No, I would have done it. I think it would. <laughs> I just fancied going. I just fancied going, but uh, oh, you wanted a weekend in Paris. So my niece, my niece is in me. Paris, so I thought we could have done something. Oh there, right, so. okay. I mean, last time I went, which was uh, must be what about three, four years ago, they'd still got the scaffolding up around Notre Dame yeah. then, and it's still up now. Still up. It's going to be down in, I believe, end of twenty-three, and ready for handing over in twenty-four for the Olympics, of course. Mm. Be ready for the Olympics. Thought they might have speeded it up a little bit so that you could go and add your photos to that. Would have been you? nice, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Lucy Worsley did it for the telly, but we, we weren't we weren't allowed in. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the soundtrack. Let's play another track from the soundtrack, and uh, and this next one, uh, "In a Place of Miracles." Uh, tell us a little bit about that one. Uh, this is a triangle song. So in this song, you've got Esmeralda, Phoebus, and Quasi. It's Phoebus and Esmeralda's love song, pretty much, and then Quasi's in the background in his thoughts. Um, and Qu- Quasi's part in this song is completely different to the rest of the song, but it fits nicely and it shows that emotion between the three characters. Because a lot of people think that Quasi and Esmeralda are in love, yeah, um, but they're not. Um, Quasi sees it more as a friendship. This is somebody who's looked, you know, taken him out into this new world that he's discovered and they've become pretty much best of friends and Quasi really wants to protect Esmeralda. Um, so you see the two sides of of Esmeralda and then Quasi and Phoebus as well. Hasn't there been a film made in the last couple of years about Quasimodo which, which actually shows, um, because you said, you know, that they think there's that sort of connection with Esmeralda. Um, but I'm sure there's been a film made uh, which sort of clarifies the relationship there. I, I'm, I'm not a massive film goer. No. Um, but I'm sure that I've seen something the, over the past the, it could few be, years. It could be. There have been a lot of... Oh, so many actors recently yeah. have played. I mean, Anthony Hopkins, Mandy Patinkin. They've all played Quasimodo in, in various versions over the last few years. BBC did a version with Anthony Hopkins mm. and Derek Jacobi. Which was which was great, and, that, and I think that did clarify that that clarified that relationship. Mm. Makes a difference because we're, we'll get it all clarified uh, in October uh, <laughs> when when you lot put it on. Uh, right, so this is uh, in a place of miracles. Oh, there's nothing like a big ending, is there? Uh, and that is a big ending. Um, it is a track called "In a Place of Miracles." Uh, it's taken from the soundtrack of Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, or is it Dom? Dom or Dam? Notre Dame. Dam. Dam, isn't Dam. it? Yeah, yeah. Of course. It's no good me trying to be posh and, and do the Dom bit. Um, so, uh, yes, from the soundtrack of Hunchback of Notre Dame, and it's uh, been performed by the Nottingham Operatic Society at the Theatre Royal, 26th to the 29th of October. Now, that we, we've touched on the size of the cast. How many people are actually involved in, in the cast? Because there seems to be an awful lot. Do you know... Uh, I'd have, we'd have to go through it, including the people in the orchestra and backstage. It will be nudging 50, 50 to sixty. That's a big cast. It's a big. It's, it's a, a big, big lot of people have been yeah. involved. Yes. Mm. So. Yeah. Who's stage uh, manager for <laughs> for this? Well, Amy. How, how many have you got? Well, actually, we're very lucky. Um, so the theatre are great. 
um, I don't know who's doing theatre. I don't know who's doing stage management theatre, but Amy Rogers G, who's obviously well known from arts theatre. So exactly. She, yeah. She's our stage manager, company stage manager, and we've got Nigel, who is our DSM. Great. T- we've had the team together for a long time. Is that Mr. Newton? Mr. Newton, Mr. indeed. Mr. Newton, yes. And the good thing is, the set's brand new. That always helps. We've been to see it. We've jumped up and down. It's rock solid. Um, you know, trying to build a cathedral that, you know, as a set is, is something that can then turn into something else. Yeah. But it's very clever. Very clever set. Um, that helps because it doesn't have to move that much. So there's not a lot of stuff being moved. Not of, there are lots of scene changes. But the set itself stays all the time; bits fly in, so that will be will be easier from a from a stage. The hard bit about the, the technical side is the size of the cast and the number of microphones, because every, yeah. everybody's mic'd. Unusually, compared to you know other shows where your your ensemble isn't, they're all mic'd. So that's I can't even think of how many mics. It's forty, something like forty mics, and they've all got to be individually mixed and blended to work in the theatre royal so yeah. that's going to be a fun day which is the re- it's the reason we're not we're not opening until wednesday we've we've given ourselves with the team at the theatre royal enough time to get that sound right sound is so important in this yeah you know it, it there are speakers all over the theatre we're putting in so it will feel like a cathedral at times so you it's one of the things like, like we did on friday you'll be able to close your eyes at some time and just listen so i'm, I'm and the, and the company have risen to that challenge about creating a, f- mm. a phenomenal sound. I so, th- who's doing the sound it, with it then? Is it the theatre itself, or, or yeah, yeah? They've got a, a yeah. really a bloke called Mike Donahue. Yeah, been yeah there. I know Mike. Mike's been there a long time. He yeah. knows what he's doing. So he works with us quite early. We've been talking to him for quite a long time. Our, our, our MD is Morven Morven Harrison. So she's been working with him for quite a number of weeks on what how we're going to create the sound. And then we'll get in and do that on the Monday and Tuesday. Now, with this massive cast that you've got there, mm-hmm. um, I- I've only seen probably a-, a few of the dressing rooms at the Theatre Royal. <laughs> uh, how many dressing rooms are there? And it, are, are you going to ha- just have sort of people crammed in separate dressing rooms? There are quite a few dressing rooms yeah. there. Some quite big ones as well. There, there are. I don't think they're using all the function rooms at the moment. Right. Um, it's certainly it's it's the biggest cast we've had, I think, since Titanic. We did Titanic. I think there was something like seventy, but you get you'll fit everybody in. Yeah, um, yeah. Marvelous. Tell, let's talk about the costumes um, mm-hmm. then for this. Um, we, we know what Zach's is like. Um, we, we just saved the uh, the costume budget a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what, what about everybody? What about your costume? Um, as, as a it's John heavy. Follow? It's heavy. Mm-hmm. I can say that. So um, we, we again we've we found. Uh, a new a new costume design company um, brilliant up in St Helens and they're going to do our next three, four shows they're already booked for our next four shows and they created a new set of costumes for the Hunchback of Notre Dame um, seen them a couple of we went to see them live they're, they're great so I, I wear effectively what you'd imagine a a priest of the cathedral or the archdeacon to wear it's very long robes multiple layers also it's really heavy though <laughs> really and the gargoyles because the costumes have been made to to look or the the the, the congregants or the narrator they've been made to look like stone they're they're uh, been sprayed with a particular i suppose it's like a paint and mm. it re- makes it look like stone as it folds but it's heavy 
And then, I, I don't know how many other costumes are there. There are Parisians, citizens, per, gypsies, yep. soldiers, all sorts. So there's, a, there's the whole Big range. Costume. And loads and loads of costumes yep. uh, for, for people to, to admire. And our wardrobe mistress, um, who, who is Linda from... Uh, we know her from Linda. She's at the Lace Market. I mean, she's already arranging this this area at the back of the stage for military precision because people will be changing in seconds. They'll be going back to their own area, yeah. change their back on. Is this uh, Linda C? Linda Croston, Linda yes. Croston, yeah. So, oh. yes, Linda's, Linda's Oh, you're running. in good hands with Linda. Linda is running our wardrobe. Yeah. Safe hands. So, <laughs> so how many sort of quick costume changes are there in, in, involved? I, I imagine yeah. quite a few. You're quite lucky. I'm you? lucky because I don't yeah, you, change. You, you, so you just have really the, easy, yeah. <laughs> I have a few. Most of mine are on stage. Most, oh, right. most of mine are, are on stage. I... I, I Switch in and out of costumes and cloaks. There's a lot of cloaks in this. It's a very cloaky show. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of sort of people hiding in corners, not to be seen. <laughs> but no, I think ready I, with a cloak and just throw, yeah, throw it yeah. off. Yeah. So, so I think a lot of those changes. The probably everybody will have two or three changes. Everybody. So it's going to be this area at the back, like sort of. It's like if you, you ever watched a triathlon when they're switching yes. between <laughs> bike and what. It's going to be like that. They go into their own little cubicle. Quickly change, back on, back on, change again, back <laughs> on. They've become, they've become convinced that we've all got to wear special shoes so we don't make noise. So we're all wearing special boots oh, so right. they're softened, so when we're clumping up and down the stairs. and you, You're all right, you swing from things. So I'll yeah. I've got ladders and all sorts. <laughs> You've got ladders, you fly about all over the place. See, he's got the easy, he's got the easy role, hasn't he, really? Yeah. And I'm no, happy no, for dressing room number one as well, so while I'm ah, on stage, I can sit with my feet up watching telly. Absolutely well, right. Yeah. I mean, that Quasimodo, yeah, he's the star of the show. He is the hunchback. Thank <laughs> you, so, yeah. So, and the, I mean, the, you've got to have uh, no humility, really, with, uh, with sort of changing clothes. A lot of the time, I mean, th this sounds like it's just sort of, you know, cloaks on, cloaks off and everything, but uh, a lot of the time, you know, and things that we don't see from the audience uh, is the, the amount of um, sort of changes uh, and actors have got to have no humility at all, have they, with, Correct. with a lot mm -hmm. of the, uh, the changes. So, I mean, do, do you get used to that, that sort of thing, you know, sort of being down to your pants in yeah. some in some stages. You friends, don't you? You do. I like the way you say friends, you've got to be. And if you get good dressers, I've got quite a few friends who've, who've who are dressers at other theatres, so yeah. at the Royal Shakespeare. You, you form a bond with a dresser. Mm. You really do. My first dresser, at, this is going ages ago, this is a long time ago, not too operatic. There was a wonderful gentleman called Fred Chambers, who, we, they, old days, they used to have the dresser for number one and dressers for number two. And the lady dressers were terrifying. They were absolutely terrifying. <laughs> you didn't cross them. <laughs> but Fred was great. And, and Fred would... would escort you down to the side of the stage with any props you needed and he would always be able to give you your cue. So he would ask you, do you want your cue line? It was really old-fashioned, old-fashioned stuff. And a good dresser is amazing because, you know, you do have panics and problems <laughs> and they always keep calm and say, just, just, you're fine, you're fine. Don't forget this. And as long as you can see them sort of there... In the wings, ready, in, yes. In the wings, yes. yeah. It's when they're not there, then I suppose you get a little bit worried yeah. when it comes yeah, to yeah, the time. Yeah. You, you've got to go, go off. So Let's talk very quickly about the soundtrack. Uh, cause it, we, we've heard some of the tracks on here. Um, it, it's an amazing soundtrack. Mm -hmm. um, what, what's it like to actually perform that soundtrack? Because it, it's, it's quite operatic in, in a lot of the places, mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm -hmm. 
it, which works well because you're the Nottingham operatic system. It is. It almost feels like going back to yeah. something we haven't done for over a hundred years. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it is. It's a big thing. Um, I think that's been the advantage of working through COVID and working on our, our sort of becoming a company again yeah. and singing together because we're all stronger. And we proved that, I think, on Friday, going to cathedral. Yeah. Sounds brilliant. We could create that sound. Um, you, you know, you, you, we've also been lucky that we've rehearsed not always to a piano, but also to a track. Uh, they're, they're getting so much better now, the fact that you, you can have tracks that are then, you can sit on a laptop and they can be adjusted. A lot of the time, this has to be adjusted right. to speech. Yeah. So, like Les Mis, it's sung through. A dialogue, a dialogue appears over the top, and it all has to drop in at the right point. That's been a, a real advantage that mm. we've had that, so we know it. We also um, sang it last October, didn't we? We sang a piece live for the first time. We had, a, had a, our orchestra came in just at the end of the first lockdown bit, and we, we put everyone together and just sang it so we knew what it felt like, and it was amazing. It's also fantastic for the orchestra. Yeah. They have a fantastic yeah. time. How big is the orchestra you've got for the uh, Theatre Royal? Uh, it's just about 19, I think. 19, 18, 19. So not a massive orchestra, no. then. Compared to the one you, you listen to on the soundtrack, yeah. that, that's boosted. That, that, that cast recording is boosted. But it's, a, it's also, at the centre of that, are two extraordinary keyboards, which have also They have all sorts of sounds. Yeah. I find the keyboards amazing. They are. <laughs> they, you, need, you have to get them... They have put these patches on, don't yeah. they? So, it's, for example, all the bells are not sound effects they're played so they're played on the keyboard even the baby's cry at the beginning is on the keyboard Mm. it's like keyboard one goes baby cry (laughs) all you need is a keyboard and you've got a full orchestra oh yeah fantastic think of the money you'd save with that no we love our musicians we love our musicians yes you you can't beat a a full orchestra it always sounds better uh right we're going to play hellfire um tell us a little bit about this song so this is this is the moment that dom claude frollo starts to realise that there's something about Esmeralda and it's wrong. He knows it's wrong because he's a man of the church, but he can't stop it. And he just starts to snap. And it's this moment that that he, he sees that he will be damned if he follows this path, but he can't stop himself. And it's extraordinary because that he's singing during a ma- during the mass, the midday mass, and he's in a world of his own, and the priests, in his mind, suddenly become something sort of quite demonic. And and it, the ending is is yeah. I just need to develop some more lung capacity to do this. <laughs> but it's a oh, that's drama for you. Uh, that is Hellfire, taken from the soundtrack of The Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, which has been performed by the Nottingham Operatic Society, 26th to 29th of October um, at the Theatre Royal. We've got Simon Theobald who plays the Archdeacon. Don, Don, is it Don or Dom? Dom. Dom. Yeah. Dom Claude Frollo. I keep thinking now of Dick and Dom. I'm assuming it means... Um, I don't I don't know what it means. <laughs> I think it just means master, doesn't it? Dominus or something. I don't know. I thought it was short for Dominic or something. Uh, <laughs> so maybe it might be. I'm just like... I think it's what they thick. call priests. So, all right. And, and we can't uh, mistake this. Quasimodo, played by Zach Charlesworth. Now then, um, tell us about uh, the, the tickets. Where can we get tickets from? And, uh, and how much are they and everything else to do with them? Yeah, so we've, we've done what we always do. We're, we were set out as a charity to try and keep our, our prices affordable. So tickets range, oh, you see, I, I'm trying to read across. I think that they start from about 13 yeah. and they go up to about 30, around that. 
they varied different performances uh, online um, from Theatre or Box Office or Theatre or Box Office which is nine eight nine double five double five, and I'm reading that with my poor eyesight over there in the, in the leaflet, yeah. <laughs> I ought to walk the flyer over. Yeah, uh, no, so, so Th- Theatre Royal, um, if anyone knows members of the society, ask them, because they can also get tickets. And, and it's going really well. Um, we, we know there's a lot of hesitancy about, about what, you know, whether people are ready to come out or not. All I'd say is, do, don't miss this opportunity, because it's not one of those shows that will come around again and again. Mm. And we've all known that. We all know it as a secret within musical theatre that this is a piece, you come out of it having seen it, and you go, wow, that's amazing. So it, it, it's, it's a perfect half-term, half-term treat, because I promise you the one thing, although it's a big dramatic show, there are moments that will just... You'll, you'll cry and you'll, you'll smile. It's that sort of show that makes you feel warm. And it's a great, it's a great sort of autumn treat. We're all going to have tough times in the autumn, so it, really sort of decent, decently priced tickets. Come along and support us. Come along and see us. It's the start of our hundred and thirtieth year, which is quite an achievement. It is as well. So not only that, but uh, theatres now is a very safe place. Uh, very to safe too. So uh, yeah, yeah. no fears uh, about that. And not only that, for about three or four hours, you can save your electricity as well. Definitely. We so, know it's going to be warm. We're going to be very yeah. warm. <laughs> <laughs> So buy a ticket instead of paying the electric. <laughs> uh, that, that's the best. All the gas. Um, so it is. 26th to the 29th of October. It's at the Theatre Royal. Uh, the Amazing Hunchback of Notre Dame. It's going to be absolutely epic. I know that. Uh, thank you so much for you two coming oh, thank in. Thank you, Kev. And uh, it's thank lovely you. to see you again back in the studio. Pleased so, to be here. It's been a while, so it's lovely to see time. you as well. Yeah. And I know I bump into Zach at, uh, at the Duchess uh, a couple of times, but they're fleeting uh, glances. So, uh, so it's nice to actually sit down and just have a chat. With you yeah, so it's lovely. So, this uh, is taken from the soundtrack. It's called Someday. We'll be back next week with more. Of the Did you know that Nottingham Hospital Radio is a registered charity? As a result, we rely on people like you to donate to it. All our members are committed volunteers who run the service for the benefit and entertainment of the patients in the Queen's Medical Centre and City Hospitals. Research has shown that listening to hospital radio can positively benefit a patient's recovery, and we think it's a very worthwhile thing to do. Donating to NHR is easy and rewarding, so please log on to nhradio.org.uk and go to the donate page. That's nhradio.org.uk slash donate. You'll be glad you did, and thank you. Thank you.